Hear the word of the Lord. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock out of the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of, from within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, while the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take your sandals off, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out to a land, into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now I am sending you to Pharaoh, to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you. That is, I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I love this passage of Scripture. There's some amazing stuff in here that we read about. And that last verse really is part of what amazes me because God told Moses, I've come down and I'm sending you to go get my people and this is going to be a sign for you. Okay, God, give me a sign. After you bring two million people out of Egypt, you're going to worship on a mountain. What? You're not going to give me the sign until after I do the assignment? That's what God was basically telling Moses. That takes a lot of faith to do that. You know, for, for me, that could kind of get in the way of doing what God called me to do. I kind of want it up front. Okay, God, what should I do? And I want to hear something or see some sign or, or, or maybe God just nudge me that this is the direction you're going to go. But he told Moses, after you do this and you worship on this mountain, then you'll know that it was me who sent you to do what I've called you to do. I don't know about you, but that could be an obstacle that could get in the way to doing what God wants us to do. You know, sometimes we face obstacles in this life. Even though we're believers in God, we sometimes face obstacles. And if you think about it, you know, we can, uh, we can doubt. We can doubt that God is involved in what we're going to do. I'm sure there's people sitting in here today saying, God's not going to lead me to do anything. Or maybe there's somebody in here today that says, I don't think God even cares about me. 
Listen to me. God cares. He cares about every one of us. He cares about every person sitting in this place today. He cares about every person in the world. From John sitting up here to Jeremy sitting in the back and everybody in between, God cares about you. And God has something for you. And you know what many of us go through? We, you know, we think, well, God, maybe you care about me, but I don't know if I can know what you want me to do. I just don't think, you know, you speak to people like you spoke to Moses, and maybe not. Or, or I don't think that, God, you know, I could even figure out what kind of plan you want me to be on. Or maybe some of us in here are thinking, you know, I, I don't know if I have the ability to do anything that you would want me to do. And there may be somebody here just saying, you know, I just don't want to do what you want to do. And I don't have the fortitude the stick to to stay with you, God, and let you lead me and guide me. You know what we call that? Self-doubt. And a lot of us deal with it. I mean, we doubt ourselves. It's not so much that sometimes we doubt God, but we doubt ourselves and our ability to do what God calls us to do. But God is calling all of us to do something. As Chris said earlier, we're starting a new series today called Overcoming Obstacles. And there are a number of obstacles that we have to co overcome in this world. For the last two years, we've been facing that big, huge obstacle called COVID. And that has affected our lives in so many ways. Ways that maybe we're still yet realizing how it had effect on us. But we can overcome, and we will overcome especially if we have God working in our lives. Every year when we plan our preaching calendar, our full-time staff, me and Chris and Jeremiah and Matt get together, and, and you know, we, uh, we came up with this sermon series called Overcoming God Obstacles. And some of the things that we're going to talk about in this series that we need to overcome are, first thing today is, is overcoming self-doubt. And next week, we're going to think about overcoming guilt and overcoming grief and overcoming the fear of moving forward and overcoming bad relationships in our lives. And there are people in the Bible that dealt with all of this, and we're going to study their stories. And today we're going to look at, at this story, and I hope that you'll see God's answer. And I want to raise this question today. Do we sometimes let doubt get in the way of fulfilling God's plan? You know, believe it or not, one of the great heroes of the Bible, this man Moses I just read about, he had a fear, he had a doubt that God was calling him to do something. You know, if you go back and look at that passage that I just read, God met him, met him at Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, later on, it's called Mount Sinai. It's probably one mountain with two peaks but God, he was tending sheep there on the mountain, and he saw this bush. Now, it was not unusual in the wilderness, for, in the hot of, of, the, of the Arabian desert there, for, for a bush to catch on fire. But this one didn't burn up. Usually when they caught on fire, they just burned up quickly and went out. And an angel spoke out of the bush. And Moses says, hmm, that's a strange sight. Let me go see what's happening. And the angel spoke to Moses and said, Moses, 
take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. And he began to speak and lay out a plan for Moses. Moses even hid his face. You know, the Hebrews believed no one could see the face of God and live. And so Moses is hiding as he hears this voice. And God says, I love this part. I have come down. I've heard my people. They're suffering in slavery in Egypt, and I've come to rescue them. And I can hear Moses probably thinking in his mind, it's about time. They've been there for 430 years in slavery. It's about time you came. And then God says, and Moses, by the way, I'm going to use you. You're going to get them. That's my plan. Moses was God's plan A and his only plan. And he wanted Moses to go. And you look at what Moses said. Verse 11 is really cool. Who am I? That does show some humility. And God says, well, doesn't matter who you are. I'm going with you. And you've got to get that. It does not matter who you are if God is going with you. Because God can do what He needs to do. But you know God's favorite way to work is through people. And He was going to use Moses. And God may want to use you in a certain way. He does want to use you in a certain way. And He's not the only one that had self-doubt. You go back through the Bible. I just think about Elijah. You know, he, he called down fire from heaven to burn up a pagan altar. And the next scene, Elijah's laying underneath a tree, distraught and doesn't know what to do and having self-doubt that God can use him. You look at Judas. He was a follower of Jesus for three and a half years. And then he turned on Jesus and turned him into the authorities. And so distraught was he, he took his own life. We certainly don't want anybody to do that. But we can have these self-doubts in our lives. Today we're going to go through Exodus chapter 3, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 4, verse 17 real quick. But Exodus is the second book of the Bible. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, tells us about creation and how God formed His people and how the, the people of God, the Hebrew people, came to end up in Egypt in slavery, and then we pick up in Exodus that they've been there for a long time and they're struggling and the, the Pharaoh of Egypt is putting a lot of pressure on them. And here's this guy Moses. There's so many people, so many Hebrew people in Egypt that what happened was the, he, the Egyptian leaders had, had the midwives that delivered the babies put to death all the male babies. They were trying to control the population. Now, evidence is that most of the midwives didn't do it. But this one baby was born without a midwife, and his mama took him and put him in a basket and let him float down the river, and there the baby came to Pharaoh's daughter. And she found the baby and fell in love with this little Hebrew baby and raised him as her own. And so he was raised in royalty. That was Moses. And Moses, by the time he was 40, he realized that he was a Hebrew, but he had been raised by the uh, Egyptian Pharaoh's daughter. And he saw one day an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man, and Moses went and killed that Egyptian man. 
And then he found out one of the Hebrews saw him do it, and he thought, oh no, he's going to turn me into Pharaoh. And Moses fled out into the desert. And when he was in the desert, he came across the priest of Midian, Jethro, and he married Jethro's daughter and lived with Jethro and became a shepherd out in the middle of the wilderness tending sheep. He did that till he was 80 years old. And when he was 80 years old, God comes to him here at the burning bush and he says, Moses, I have a plan. I have a plan for you, Moses. And listen, this is the first thing I want you to think about today. God has a plan for you now. Right now, God has a plan for you. In fact, God has a plan for everybody. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to get on God's plan. If you go back to later years in the Hebrew history, those people, they went into the promised land, settled up, had a land flowing with milk and honey, and they messed up. They fell away from God. And God took their land away from them. In fact, He allowed nations to overrun them and took them again into slavery in Babylon. But when God sent them into Babylon, this is what He said to them. It's not going to be forever, He said. And He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God had a plan. But they had to seek that plan out. Just like you have to seek that plan out. Now I want you to know something here. As you mature, God's plan for you might change. He might move you into a different place to, to do a different thing. You never know. You have to constantly be seeking what God wants to do in your life. And your success in that plan is not contingent on receiving God's grace. If you go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You don't have to work your way into God's grace. You have faith in Jesus Christ and you get God's grace. But verse 10 here says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has a plan for you now. Are you going to get on God's plan? That's the big question. You know, just think about something here for a minute. Doesn't it make sense that if God created the universe and He created you and me, and He knows what's best, doesn't it make sense that if I really believe in Him, then I would get on His plan and see what He has to do for me and begin to follow that plan? And doesn't it make sense that if I have received God's grace and He has saved me, that I would want other people to receive God's grace so He could save them too. It makes sense to me. It makes sense to God. And God has a plan to get you grace and help you get other people grace along the way. But you know, too many people doubt that. And too many people doubt their self. Or that God would have anything to do with them. 
or that God wants to use them in a special way. You know what part of the problem is? So often we get more concerned with the things of this world than we do with the things of God. And we get off track. And we start running the devil's way instead of going God's way, and we can't see God's plan. And self-doubt is all part of that. Because too many people say, well, God wouldn't want me. I'm too bad. God couldn't use me. I'm not good enough. But He can. And He will. If you let Him. Now, I'm not saying He wants you to go into full-time ministry. You know, you, He might not be trying to make you a children's minister. And trust me, you've got to have God's gift to do that. I couldn't do it. And he may not want you to be a preacher, and he may not want you to be a worship leader, but God has something in mind for you to do. And you know what? It might be right where you're at now. Wherever you work at now, maybe God's just saying, you're going to be my instrument in this place, in this doctor's office, in this bank, in this community service that you work in, in the school where you work, in the office where you work. God just may be calling you to be His presence there in that place. But you know what else? God may be telling you, you're in the wrong place. I need you to move. I have another place for you. And I want to use you in this other place. And you never know how God's going to work. And you know what? Sometimes we lag behind on God, and sometimes we try to run ahead of God, you know. Hey God, I think I'm supposed to be a CEO, and I want you to give me a CEO job now. You know what? He may not give you a CEO job now. He may say, no, you go start cleaning toilets in this company and work your way up to CEO, because I want you to know the inside and the out. And some of you may be saying, hey, God, I just want to clean toilets. And he may be saying, no, I want you to be the CEO. Or he might be saying, I want you to go to Africa because i got people over there and you got some talents that I want to use in Africa. You never know until you seek God. God does not send you an email telling you what to do. You have to seek him out. And he's going to give you the answer to what you have to do. You know, I heard about a preacher that quit the ministry and quit even believing in God because he had unreal exp uh, expectations about what God wanted him to do. And he began to think, you know, his theological training was, hey, all you got to do is pray to God and He's going to give you everything you want and God's there to serve you and He's going to make you rich and wealthy. But it didn't play out. He didn't see it playing out in the people in his church. He didn't see it playing out in his own life. And his problem was his theology was wrong. And God never promised us that we're going to have this, this perfect life if we just say we believe in him. But God does promise that he has a plan for our lives. And I'm going to tell you, he works. Some years ago when I was in my mid-20s, late 20s, I was a district manager for a grocery company. And I won't be honest with you, I was about as far from God as anybody could get. Okay, I was into money and, and nice cars and houses and boats and all that stuff. And I was making good money and, you know, I was a businessman and I was on top of the world. And I had everything you could want. 
And I also had to work 80 hours a week to keep it all. And I got burned out. And finally I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go into business for myself. And I'm going to buy a convenience store. And I had a convenience store with an arcade. And I went into that. I wasn't seeking God out. I just, that was my plan. And I was on my plan. And I went into that. And I did pretty good for about two years. And then the third year, a new competitor opened up right down the street from where my store was, about a mile, and took half my business overnight. And to make a long story short, I wound up losing just about everything I owned. Okay? Enter God. Because God began to work on my heart. And about that time, I said, you know what? I need to be going to church. Because I was at rock bottom. And we started going to church. And then I got another job. And that job took me to Savannah, Georgia. And in Savannah, Georgia, my wife ran into an old friend. And she invited her to church. And my wife came home. Jeanette came home. And she said, you remember Candy that I used to work with? The little girl that was so wild? She just invited me to church. And we went to church with Candy and her husband. And golly, it was like the preacher had written a sermon just for me. And so we started going and attending that church. The problem was I was so busy at this job I'd taken with this grocery company as a manager, I couldn't really attend like I wanted to because I had to work on Sunday sometime. And, and, but God began to work. And I'm saying, God is working on me. And all of a sudden, one day, a guy from corporate office come in and said, Mark, we're not going to need you anymore. I said, what? You're firing me? He said, yeah, basically, we just don't need you anymore. And here I am thinking I'm getting on God, you know, following God, and I get fired from my job. But you know what God did? He's like God. He gave me another job where I didn't have to work so much. And I really began to get involved in the church then. And I started doing all kind of stuff at the church. And one night, Jeanette and I were going to meet that girl, Candy, and her husband for dinner. And I told Jeanette, I was driving, and I looked at her, and I said, I think God's calling me into the ministry. And I heard Pastor Cam, the preacher there, say the other day that if you would go into the ministry, if you'd go to uh, seminary or Bible college, that that church would pay $2,000 a semester towards your tuition, and you didn't have to pay it back. And I said, I'm going to talk to Cam this week about that. And... To make a long story short, God worked it out and we moved to Knoxville and went to Johnson Bible College and with the help of a few student loans and mom and dad uh, helping us, we were able to go to college and get a degree and I went into the ministry and God provided along the way that I'm here now at Central Christian Church. And it's scary. Try having a yard sale... And selling all those material things that you used to love and emptying out your garage and packing everything that's left in a U-Haul truck and driving up to a place that you only visited one time and unloading and going in and living from an 1,800-square-foot house to an 1,100-square-foot house with no garage. 
Jeanette didn't like him. <laughs> but she made it through. That's the way God works. And God calls people, and he may not be calling you to do that, but he certainly called me, and he made it abundantly clear time after time that that's what I was supposed to be doing. And I don't know where you're at today, and you may not hear, you may not see a burning bush, and you may not have any kind of miracles, but God wants to work. And God can help you through that. Now look at verse 13. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and ask me what is his name, and then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now I want you to notice something here. First of all, Moses said, Who am I that I should go? And then he says to God, Who are you? that I should go. Who are you to send me to these people? And God says, I am. In the Hebrew language, it's the word Yahweh. It's the name for God. And God says, my name is I am. In the English, that's the to be verb. It means I am or I be or I exist. God just says, I am who I am. And he told Moses to go say that to the people. And Moses, I'm sure, had doubts as he was beginning to give these directions. But God can help you overcome the doubts. You know, it's only natural sometimes to doubt. Especially when you, when you think God is leading you somewhere. You know what's worse than following God's plan? Is that God has a plan and you don't get on the plan. Because then you're going to miss out on all the blessings and all the stuff that God has in store. But even so, if you get on God's plan, I can promise you this, you will still have trouble. I'm not going to preach to you some false theology that says, all you got to do is have enough faith and you'll have no more trouble in your life and you'll be rich. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, he said, I've overcome the world. And he did, he rose from the dead. But you're going to have some trouble. Jesus went through trouble, they nailed him to a cross. And you may have to have trouble. But the difference is, if you're on God's plan, God goes with you through the trouble. And if you're not on God's plan, then you're going through the trouble by yourself. And you know what else God might do? God might frustrate your plan. I think that's what He did with my convenience store. He might frustrate your plan so you will get on His plan. But you've got to be seeking him out. And listen to what Moses did. Moses, um, in chapter 4, he comes up with another excuse. Chapter 4, verse 1. What if they do not believe me or listen to me, and I say, the Lord did not appear to you? And God says, okay, Moses, take your staff and throw it on the ground. And Moses throws it on the ground, and it becomes a snake. And he says, pick it up by the tail. Moses was trying to run. And listen, don't ever try to pick a snake up by the tail unless God tells you to. You always pick a snake up behind the ears, right? So his head can't turn around and bite you. But Moses grabs it by the tail and it turned back into a staff. And then he says, put your hand inside your shirt. 
and pull it out. And when he pulled it out, it had leprosy. And that is a terrible disease. It's a flesh-eating disease. And Moses thought, oh, I'm doomed. And God said, put it back in and pull it out. And it was healed. And then God said to Moses, if that's not enough, when you go and stand before the people there to tell Pharaoh to let my people go, then take some water from the Nile and pour it on the ground and it's going to turn to blood. And God said, that'll be enough that the people will realize that I have sent you. Well, it wasn't enough for Moses. And then Moses says in verse 10, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And God says to Moses, Moses, who made your tongue? Who makes you and enables you to speak? I can take care of that. And Moses offers one more excuse. And he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. He's just saying in verse 13, I don't want to do it, God. And God's saying, I want you to do it. In fact, God got mad at him when he said that. He says his anger burned. And he said, look, Moses, I'm sending your brother Aaron down there to be with you. And Aaron can speak pretty good. And I need you to go down there and meet with Aaron because this thing is going to take place. And you're not going to stop it. A couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, Melissa Sapp was over at our house. And we got this picture on our living room wall. And it's, it's Joshua 1.9, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Melissa saw that, and she said, That's my verse. And, and we said, really? And Jeanette said, it's my verse too, because that's why we got it hanging up, because it's Jeanette's verse. And Melissa said, let me tell you a story. She said, when we were getting ready to leave Gulf Shores, Alabama, to move to uh, Bristol, um, we were praying. We didn't know what to do. And Melissa was moving up here, I guess, to become the manager of the loft at the Pinnacle. And, uh, and, and so Melissa said, you know, she was really praying and seeking God and trying to figure out, should we move or should we stay? What should we do? And she said she was at her parents' house one day, and she was leaving. There was nobody home there. I guess she was feeding a pet or something, and she was leaving. And there was a little plaque on their wall, and it had that same verse on it. And Melissa said just that last little bit there caught her eye, and it said, I will be with you wherever you go. And Melissa told me that was her answer. God will be with me if I go to Bristol. And they made the decision to move to Bristol, and Melissa said that's one of the greatest things that has happened to her in her life is moving here. God speaks in various ways if you listen. And you look back here verse 18 now. God told, the elder, the, told Moses this. The elders of Israel will listen to you. And you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptian with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. What I want you to see lastly is that God works on both ends of the situation. God has a plan, 
God can help you overcome the doubt, and God works on both ends of the situation. God is at work in the elders in Israel already, and God was at work in Pharaoh's heart, and he was going to do things that would make Pharaoh agree to let the Hebrew people go. And God was even at work in the citizens of Egypt. If you read further, he made them favorably give jewelry and clothing to the Egyptians to the Hebrews as they left Egypt. And God can be a work in you. And when Moses was leading the people into the, to the wilderness, God said to him, Go now and lead these people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. And even when Moses was old and Joshua was going to lead the people into the promised land, it says, The Lord himself goes before you. And will be with you, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. You see, God is working on both ends to work out the plan that he has in store for you. It takes faith. That's the key. You have to really believe in this God. You have to seek God and trust God and follow God to find out what his plan is. Patrick Overton, by the way, he is, he is no relation to me. But he's got a really good quote. And I've seen this before. I didn't know who, who had said it. But here's what he said. When you come to the edge of all the light you have, and you must take a step into the darkness of the unknown, believe that one of two things will happen. Either there will be something solid for you to stand on, or you will be taught to fly. You know what he's saying there is, when you trust God, when you get to the edge of what you know, where you think God's leaving you, then you've got to be willing to take one more step into the unknown to follow God's leading, because God is going to be there with you to guide you into where you need to go. And that's what God wants to do in your life today. And that's what it is to believe and to follow God. And here's our connection point. Our part is to follow God's leading. You know, Moses led the people out of Egypt into the promised land. It was no easy journey. And there were two kinds of people on that trip. There were those people that grumbled and complained and they never really trusted God and they never really trusted Moses and they had no uh, stick to They were always griping and complaining about something. And guess what? They died in the desert and never saw the promised land. But there was another group of people and they were smaller, but they were the group that trusted God. And they followed God. And even when times were tough, they believed in God. And God brought them into the land, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, an abundant land and a good land where they set up an amazing nation and they thrived. And God has a plan for you if you're willing to get on the plan and do what God calls you to. You know, there's another saying that I used to be one of my favorite sayings. In fact, one of my boats, I had a plaque on there that had this saying on it. And it says, When in danger, when in doubt, run in circles, scream and shout. I want to change that for you today. I think it would be better if it read like this. When in danger, when in doubt, seek out the Lord 
and you'll find what peace is all about. Okay? So let's start doing that today. And let's seek God and let's set all the excuses aside like Moses gave and let's go forward and stop wasting time and get on God's plan for our lives. Let's pray. God, this world sets plenty of obstacles in front of us. But we know that you want to guide us through, around, over, whatever it takes to overcome those obstacles. And that's why we need to trust you and set aside our self-doubt and begin to follow what you have in store for our lives. And let you help us see how you want to lead us for the rest of our life into eternity. And so I pray today, Father, that you be with us and you help us to be a people that, like Moses, end up following your lead and accomplishing your will. In Jesus' name, I pray and praise today.